Well, that trademark winning smile is back. Seven years since pole vaulter Eliza McCartney stunned New Zealand, winning a bronze medal at the Olympics, the 26-year-old's launched a comeback. It was a brave, bold and risky move. The last six years plagued with injuries had forced her out of competition, but she was determined not to give up. Incredibly, it meant a year of learning how to walk again and completely changing her run-up. The fight was worth it. Eliza's just qualified for the world champs in Hungary. The next goal, the Paris Olympics. I'm thrilled to be talking with her on the podcast. Thank you for joining me, Eliza. Thanks so much. Oh, no problem. Happy to be here. Let's start with the season, which has just wrapped up. It's been so, so good. Each meet, you just seem to get stronger and stronger. How good was that? Yeah, it's been um, a really cool season, actually. Um, the way I started off the season, um, I would have been really stoked to know that I'd ended it so well because it was a bit of a bumpy start. Um, but I, yeah, I started competing back in January um, and I was doing some short run-up comps and then I did kind of like a mid-run-up comp and it wasn't until the very end of the season that I got back to um, more of a competition run-up for me, um, which yeah. just means I have more speed. So I get on bigger poles and I jump higher. Uh, yeah. So it was really cool to yeah finish the season that way timed it so well and in January as you said you cleared 4.36 meters but you needed 13 centimeters more to qualify for the world that seems like to me quite a lot more did that seem daunting it's certainly a lot more yes (laughs) (laughs) but you know I was on a short run up so um those heights uh, you know I can't reach those heights on short run-ups anyway so it wasn't daunting in that respect um I think what was more daunting is that in the past 471 it was a fairly standard easy height for me um and there's that kind of fear that I won't be able to do it this time around and that it's going to be a lot harder and and granted it was <laughs> it yeah. was actually harder than I expected I thought it would come back a lot sooner but really given I had a year off pole vaulting completely and then the couple of years before that I was hardly able to pole vault or com- compete um it's not surprising I suppose that it, that it took a season to really build back into it but I'm just glad that I managed to hit it within the season that was a really nice cherry on the top that was just brilliant did you always deep down though believe that you could get back to that yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason why I was motivated to keep going and to try different things, even though a lot of people think I'm crazy for continuing <laughs> after so many years of not getting anywhere. But yeah, it's the belief that, well, it's it's knowing your potential really. And I know that my potential is so much more. I don't know if I'm going to achieve it, but just even knowing that it's within your potential, um, that's quite motivating, you know, especially as an individual, individual athlete, you do want to just keep pushing for more all the time and you're you know we're competitive people so knowing that it's in my grasp and still is I believe um yeah makes me want to go after it completely and this there must be a lot of pressure on you I remember a few months ago listening to you saying that you wanted to come back to the competition it must be daunting you know coming back and as you say feeling that pressure from at the outside did did you feel the pressure Yes, but mostly it's internal pressure, really, I suppose. It's the pressure I put on myself. Um, I think the the most the thing I was most fearful of would be, you know, not being able to get back and, and my body not being able to handle pole vaulting after everything I've tried to um, do to change that. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was more the fear that it just wouldn't work. But I was you know, under no illusion, I knew that was a possibility. So I, I accepted the, the terms, if you will, and I went with it anyway. But 
you know, it was that acceptance of this might not work, but I'm going to try anyway. And that way, you know, at least I gave it a go and, and knew that I'd given it my best. But yeah, the, the pressure really comes from that feeling rather than, I don't know, worrying what other people are thinking, I guess. Yeah, that's great. And so let's talk about it. Seemingly what was seemed to me to be such bad luck, your Achilles, you seem to be a string of problems, uh, autoimmune inflation that affects uh, inflation, inflammation that affects tendons. Is that right? Talk me through that. It must have been frustrating when things didn't improve with your tendon. How difficult was that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was really challenging. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I started the first time I had Achilles symptoms was actually right before the Rio Olympics in 2016. And every year it essentially got worse. Um, so that was quite hard to grapple with, even though I um, jumped my personal best and had one of my best seasons ever in 2018. Um, it was a period that I was able to manage things and then I'd kind of go into a period where I couldn't manage things again. Um, and then after 2018, that was it, essentially. Um, I really struggled. And it wasn't just Achilles. I had a lot of hamstring issues as well. Um, and a lot of it was down to the way I was running, for sure. I think um, I was putting a lot of strain through that posterior chain when really um, running is, you know, it doesn't involve only Achilles and, and hamstrings. You need big glutes. You need all of those sorts of things to run fast. So, yeah, we spent a lot of time retraining how I run to take off that extra pressure. But I think at the end of the day, the reality is I'm probably quite susceptible to some of these injuries. And like you mentioned, um, I do apparently have some form of, a, of an autoimmune condition that essentially the body just kind of attacks the tendon a bit more. So all I've really been told and all that they're willing to tell me is that it's a seronegative arthropathy, which really is just like a, I guess, like an arthritis type thing where your body just immune system attacks um, a weak area and my Achilles after some injuries and, and for whatever reason it became a real sore point for me. Um, sometimes when I had well, got to a point where every time when I'd get a flare up in Achilles pain, suddenly the immune system would come in and I'd just get this huge response to what was really not a big deal. <laughs> So yeah. there's definitely probably a bit of, you know, a few things at play here. I'm probably susceptible. It's probably the way I was running. It probably doesn't help that I've got part of a, you know, a small autoimmune condition going on. So probably yeah. a whole mixture. Yeah. All <laughs> these things that you learned along the yeah. way almost. I mean, how just yeah. how painful was it? Well, yeah, I certainly had um, lots of times in, in the last few years where I'd be back in a moon, but I wouldn't be able to stand on my foot properly because it would be so swollen and so painful. Um and it kind of ended up becoming like I'd get chill blains in that same foot, like the whole kind of foot and ankle area would just kind of blow up and I'd get inflammation in the fat under the skin and just all sorts of strange things. And when that happens, that's painful. Like I can't, you know, function normally in everyday life. I, you know, I was struggling mm -hmm. to walk without pain. Let alone do um, a pole vault, which requires exactly. such a lot of strength. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was just a really bad situation to be yeah. in as a professional. Oh athlete. my goodness. And so basically you had to do a total reset where you talk about you had to learn to walk again. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but you know, how hard was that to completely re change the way you walk? Yeah, I mean, it was the first step of, of changing the way I move, essentially. So um, part of, I, I did a, a, a big review after the Tokyo Olympics and said, look, is this worthwhile doing, essentially, was what we looked into. And the answer came back saying, yeah, no, it actually seems like you could probably fix some of these things, make some changes, and there's a chance that you'll be able to get back out pole vaulting again. So I said, right, I'll do that. Um, and one of the changes was bringing on a biomechanical expert, and that's Matt Dallow, and he's been coaching me for the last, 
well, 18 months, I suppose now, or a bit longer. Um, and the first thing we did was, well, if you, we need to change how you move, we're going to change how you walk, obviously, because that's a very ingrained thing that we all do. We've all got our walking habits. Um, and so we started there, make sure they had the right posture, using the right muscles. And then we progressed that into jogging. And then we progressed that into uh, faster strides and then we progress that into sprinting and then we progress that into pole runs and then we progress that into actual pole vaulting so it's, mm. it took me a whole year to go through that process yeah was it a real was it really mentally tough did you have to keep thinking basically every step you take you need to think hang on I've got to walk the right way a different way <laughs> yeah it is a funny thing but um I think only in the first week or two I was really conscious of how I was walking and it, I think it has just become normal um which is really cool I mean it's like like um, you know, if you've got rounded shoulders in the first couple of weeks of trying to sit with your shoulders straight and not rounded, you think about it a lot, but then it just becomes a bit more normal. So, yeah, but it was it was an interesting time. I didn't find it mentally challenging, um, but more likely was, was that I'd find the sessions a bit boring sometimes, I guess, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was going over the same thing over and over and over again, and yeah. it wasn't pole vaulting. Right. When so, am I going to get back yeah. to the pole vault? I can look yes, exactly. now. Oh, really? <laughs> and you say that you really struggle with it. What about, you know, and that mentally it wasn't too bad, but it must have been pretty tough. Can you tell me about those dark days? Yeah, I think the some of the hardest days were back in 2021, actually. Um, so before I made these changes, when I was attempting to still get myself to the Olympics, even though I knew it was really becoming a very distant mm. chance. Um, and the problem was that I think that I was just so stubborn that I felt I needed to keep trying all the way up until the qualifying period closed. Otherwise, I would have, you know, in my mind, it would have been like giving up and I couldn't fathom that, you know, that didn't seem like something I could do. So I felt like I had to keep going to say that I gave it a go and that I didn't just give up on it. Um, and so I really pushed myself quite hard. And those six months, I suppose, from the beginning of the year to when um, the Tokyo Olympics was happening, I um, was in a lot of pain. I couldn't run, I couldn't pole vault properly, but yet I was forcing it and trying to make it happen, even though I kind of knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. So those were definitely um, some of the most difficult times. Um, partly, I think, because, you know, it's a, I guess the easiest way to describe it, it's almost a bit of a, an identity crisis because what I do is pole vault. That's my job. That's my livelihood. It's what I've done forever. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. It's all I know. Um, and for reasons out of my control, it's being taken away from me. And I suddenly felt, oh, what, what am I now? What do Who I do with I? this information? Yeah. So it is a really challenging kind of thing for anybody, obviously, to go through when when that's kind of ripped away from you without you having a lot of control over what's going on. So yeah, it was, it was coming to terms with what that meant. And if I had to stop sport now, what am I going to do? And all of those sorts of things. So it mm. was, it was that kind of bigger picture stuff. It was, it was really difficult to deal with at the time, but I have a great team around me and, um, you know, I was able to work through it and it didn't derail me or anything like that, but it was definitely difficult. It was, you know, there's really hard times in there. How did you find that you got through it? Were there any tips or advice that you have for other people that may be thinking the same thing, whether it be a job or a, an athlete, you're an athlete, you know, you do tie your identity to the sport. How did you get through that? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is that I've, I have got amazing people around me. I've got my high performance team um, and, uh, you know, I trust their advice. I trust what they're saying to me. So I've, I can kind of, you know, um, take some of the onus off myself and, and, listen to what they're telling me and use that information um but then I've also got amazing you know support network at home with my family and and 
you know, I'm so well supported that I just, you know, it's never going to be that bad. And I know that mm. you can't just go and get that if you don't have that. I mean, that's, that's fortunate. I feel fortunate to be in that situation. But I think the other thing was, um, you know, always having other things on the go, if that makes sense. So I've um, been working towards a degree um, at university. And so having that in the background, um, even though it's not what I want to do right now, I want to be a pole vaulter, um, at least I've got something else to go off and I've had lots of other little hobbies as such that you just keep going you, you know you can go back to in the hard times when something not great's happening in a big part of your life at least you can almost lose yourself in another part of your life and become a slightly different person and that for yeah. me sometimes that's being a university student <laughs> and yeah, so I great. think that that really helps to have that diversification and not feel like your identity is completely wrapped up in one thing which is you know probably not healthy in any circumstance Absolutely. So having that diversity has helped me a lot. Oh, that sounds great. And I guess also you're a few years older. There must be some great things that do come with, with being a bit older, you know, maturity, strength, mental strength. Do you feel now that you are stronger mentally? I'm a wildly different athlete than I used to be, <laughs> which is really cool in a good way. <laughs> um, That's cool. These last, yeah, these last 18 months since I um, changed up everything I've been doing, I've been able to grow a lot more I think I was kind of really stagnant for a while there and you know I, I was achieving in sport really young and through my teenage years in school and then um, just after school was when I went to the Olympics and so you know when you're when you're that young you're just you're just the kid in it all you do what you're told and someone else is telling you what to do and that's kind of all I knew and then I got went through these years of injury and um, kind of stayed exactly as things were and it wasn't until I did this big restart that I realized that I'm an adult now yeah, and I <laughs> and guess I you took to take, control yeah yes I need to take control of this this is my career and it's, it's my decision and I'm in charge and I need to trust my decision making that's been a really <laughs> tough one but I'm <laughs> I've come such a long way and that's because I've been supported to do so and, and I've got people around me who are teaching me how to you know do in these charge. things and, yeah yeah and feel more confident and it's meant learning more about pole vaulting sounds a bit weird but um you know understanding my sport even better so I can trust my decisions even more just lo lots of little things like that yeah. where I've taken it more upon myself and I'm not the teenager anymore that's just kind of doing what she's told and I guess did you also discover that you actually love pole vaulting did that come with that as well I think I've, I've just a real appreciation for what it gives you as well like any elite sport, um, well, certainly in, in my situation, of what I know of elite sport is that um, I get to travel, I get to meet these amazing people, I get to represent my country, and all the while being paid to do so, I mean, it's, it's a really, it's almost, a, you know, a unique situation being an elite athlete, and um, it's a real appreciation for that, and, you know, not taking it for granted, because I've always known it doesn't last forever, I mean, that's thrown in your face as an athlete, you're always told that you need backup plans and whatnot, but yeah I think this time around I just I'm just so much more excited about it all and everything mm. that it gives me because I know it might not last a lot longer which is you don't fine. take it for granted um, yeah. no exactly yeah and I, and I can see that that you really do appreciate it you sort of see that in your face when you're jumping you look like you're really enjoying it <laughs> that's good yeah I totally yeah, think yeah. so yeah yeah I absolutely enjoy it uh, well, sorry, I was just saying, I, I tend to jump best when I'm enjoying it anyway. So it's a good sign if you see me looking happy out there. Yeah. And in fact, I do remember watching you many years ago and marveling how you'd always be smiling to yourself in the build up and you seem to be talking to yourself. And I used to imagine maybe that you were using positive affirmations. Is that, is that what you were doing? 
Yeah, essentially. Yeah. I think I just get so focused that the thoughts in my head and what's coming out of my mouth all just a one thing. It's not like, because people are like, why are you sitting there talking to yourself? But it's almost <laughs> like it's just coming out of my head. It's just it's just one continuum of, of my thought and my world. And so it just starts to come out of my mouth, I guess. And that just makes it more intense. And it's just when I'm very focused on what I need to do. Um, and you're right that, you know, I'm obviously not talking myself down. I'm saying things that are going to help me, things that I need to focus on. It's kind of, and it does vary, but it's just what I need in that moment. Sometimes it can be a bit angry, which is not usually a good thing. I don't tend to do well off that. Most of the time, it's more of an excitement that I'm kind of reinforcing really exciting things and not yeah. trying to scream at myself just to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, no, don't scream at yourself. So yeah, so what do you say to get yourself excited when you're you know, just about to jump? Because there's a lot of pressure, isn't there? There's a lot of build-up, a bit of waiting around, and then it's your go. What do you say yeah. to yourself? Yeah, pole comps are long competitions. They really are. And sometimes I can be waiting for hours before I even oh. get to do my first jump. So it is, yeah, there's a lot of time to sit and think. Um, but usually, I mean, for, well, to make it simple, when I'm standing on the runway, I'm, I'm going over the one or two things that I need to really focus on in that jump. Um, so, for example, it might be um, really tall takeoff or it might be I need to move the pole forward more in my jump or I need to drop my shoulders faster and so I'm, I'm often when I'm on the runway I'm really just trying to hone in on those things um, and really you know amp myself up a bit get excited and, and bring up the energy so that I can go and do it I guess yeah. is mainly what goes on <laughs> yeah totally no I think and it obviously works it's, I think it's a really great thing to do so for younger athletes that are looking up to you you know come back after six or seven years what would you say, you know, maybe even to a younger a younger you about about the journey that you've been through, the hurdles? <laughs> yeah. That tough one, I, think I know. It is it is hard. I think the most important thing for younger athletes is is the enjoyment factor because you can't keep going at something when it's tough if if you don't love it or if there's not something really tying you to it. Um and so people who have, you know, been kind of forced into certain sports and maybe they don't love it and they want to do something else I think it's just immensely more difficult to get through hard times if that's your situation versus if it's something you've chosen and you want to do and you love the sport or you know whatever it is so I think that's a really big one um but then it's also just having that support around you finding the people around you that will support you and for some people that's just a great training group you can just yeah. find a great group to train with and have that support so that it's fun when you turn up and you want to turn up and, and all of those sorts of things so yeah. yeah I do think enjoyment does have to be a really big part of it otherwise it's, it just is too difficult yeah and I guess as you say it's about having people around you that talk you up not down so it's making sure people that are around you are the right people yeah, absolutely. And I've just been very fortunate. I've always trained in a, um, a really good training group and they become really good friends because you spend every day with them training <laughs> for hours. So, yeah. you know, and, and everyone's got similar goals, I suppose. So you're already going to be like-minded people, but it just makes it so much easier than training by yourself. I find it quite hard to train by myself. It's, yes. it's certainly having that environment around me makes it just so much easier to turn up and want to do it <laughs> on the hard days. And I mean, it also looks to me that your friends with your rivals, the people that you jump with, they you all seem really close as well, which I think is great. Yeah, it's funny. I do get asked about this a lot. And it's, I think it's most noticeable in pole vault for some reason. It just really stands out that pole vaulters all around the world get along really well. Um, and I, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I've, there's a few things, I suppose. I mean, one, 
you know, it's not an easy sport. And so I suppose there's that kind of mutual respect of, you know, you've made it this far and this is not easy and <laughs> we're all here together. I think another thing is that, you know, um, it's always you in the bar. And this is a kind of true for most field events that it's it's you competing against yourself. Like if I want to win a medal, I have to at least start by clearing the opening height. And that's irrelevant to how high anyone else jumps. You know, it doesn't nice. matter what anybody else does. I still have to clear that height myself. Yes. Whereas I guess in a sprint race, you're physically trying to beat the person next to you. And maybe right. that just makes it feel a bit more. <laughs> like intense. it's beat the pole or beat the bar almost yeah, rather exactly. than each other. <laughs> yeah. And we spend so much time out there together. So I suppose you just build those friendships. But yeah, I, I love it. I much prefer it. <laughs> like I, oh, I really great. do like that, that you can, you know, go around the world and compete with anyone. And usually you're going to get, you know, really friendly um, kind of support, which is really cool. I think then it's great to watch yeah so and so tell me how it all began pole vaulting uh, I read where you were playing netball and you thought netball was going to be your future yeah I love netball I really <laughs> love netball <laughs> and I, I was really really sad to drop it actually um it was kind of a decision that felt like well it wasn't really forced on me but I, I knew I had to make a decision um and that I couldn't kind of keep doing both at a high level at some point yeah. I was gonna how old to were you when you were still playing netball then um, I played it through to about 15 or right. so years that's old. Right, sort of yeah, it's that moment where you kind of have to choose. Yeah, absolutely. Like I I played um, for my top my, my school's top team for three years at that point, I think, um, and I just loved it. And I was in a North Harbour rep team, um, and I, I, I really did love it. But in reality, you know, I'm probably not tall enough. I'm you know, <laughs> very competitive in New Zealand. I probably yes. wouldn't have made it to nearly the level I've made it in pole vault. Um, whereas pole vault's an individual sport, I had a very clear pathway in front of me um, to kind of make it to a high level. And yes. I had everything I needed in Auckland, didn't have to move. Um, but I guess more so is that I had a lot of success immediately. And so wow. I guess it was also so that. So how did that come you know, about? Did you just sort of grab a pole? And I mean, because <laughs> it doesn't yeah. strike me as the sort of sport <laughs> that you just naturally go, hey, I'm really good at this. No, I mean, I'm... Yeah, I'm, I was an athletic kid, and it's, pole vault is very athletic. It's you know people a, a lot of what happens that sets up a good jump is what happens on the ground, which means you need to be fast um, and a good runner. You know you can't just like just slowly get your way down the <laughs> runway. So that's that's the starting point, and then the rest is um, I guess you could call it a bit more gymnastic and a bit more spatial awareness. It's timing. It's not so much um, muscle that's going on when you're in the air. But yeah, I think, um, I mean, the way you start for, I guess, to paint the picture is that um, you start with a pole that's not going to bend um, and you hold it as, you know, as high as you can by just standing next to the pole. Um, and you just do a couple steps, um, dragging the pole along the ground, basically in front of you um, and just kind of essentially just fall onto the mats because you've gripped so low. So <laughs> just the first thing you, yeah, no, seriously, it's like what you'd do if you found a nice stick in your garden as a kid and you just yeah. stuck it on the ground you know it's <laughs> very similar I'd say so the first thing you need to do is learn how to hold on to the pole obviously and then you learn how to plant the pole into the box and then you can maybe add a couple more steps and maybe you do four steps um, and right. plant the pole into the box and then when you can all do all of those things and you get a little tiny tiny pole that will bend a bit when you do that so it's very it's very progressive so the the better you get the more the pole can bend the bigger pole you can go on the further you can go back oh. on the runway so you have so to stick never... with it. You need to stick with it. You can't just give up after the first try. 
oh no yeah no you you, do, you can't jump very high on your first session if you if you're allowed to jump at all yeah <laughs> yeah so it's a technical event it certainly takes many many years to to build that technique yeah and so with goals do you find yourself setting goals every year is that how you've always worked you set up big goals how do you how does that work that process yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's certainly a, um, a huge part of what you do as an athlete. I mean, not so much the the smart goals you do in school. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit, I guess, more complicated than that. You've obviously got targets you're working towards, and then you um you you have all these little goals that lead up to that big goal. Um, and actually, Matt and I just sat down this week. I think we did about three or three and a half hours of wow. planning for this year. Really? Um, what I want to achieve, how we're going to do it, all of those sorts of things. So um, oh, that's, that's yeah, a long time to talk about goals. I'm really impressed. <laughs> well, and, you know, just planning in general. So, you right. know, if, yeah. if, if I want to go to Europe for this long, what comps are we going to do? What do we want to achieve it then? How are we going to do, what are we going to do for the next two and a half months while we're in New Zealand to make sure that I'm ready to do that? And so there's just lots of little steps along the way. But obviously there's always the big goal. There's always a big goal of sorts. Um, yeah. And in women's pole vault, five meters is a real barrier as such. Um, I think only four or five women have ever jumped over it. So that's um, your ever. goal, is it? Is that your next goal? Well, that's that's an obvious one. Yeah. My personal best is four nine four, so I'm six Ooh. centimeters off it. So, so it's the next obvious one for sure. Yes. And then the world record's not a lot higher. It's only another oh. six centimeters on top of that. So. Yeah, those are the obvious ones, but that's not what I sit down and say I want to do that this year <laughs> because right. that's, that's not how I work. No, <laughs> Maybe some people can do that, but I can't. I need to just focus on the, the steps to get there um, and let it come when it comes rather than um, be really fixated on it, I guess. Yeah, so the little steps often make up to the big steps, don't they? So that's a good Absolutely. way to go. Oh, that's mm. great. So then well, talk me through the, what the next few months look like for you. Yeah, so the next two and a half months, um, I'm back into, I guess, we call it winter training, but it's really just going back into heavier training. Um, because over the summer season, uh, we taper off our training so that you're really fresh for competitions, um, which is fine to keep up for a certain amount of time. But if you keep doing that, you're really going to start losing your strength and speed and, and your base fitness and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so that's what the next two and a half months are about. I've got to rebuild that. I actually had my first session today and it was a big one and I'm going to be quite Ouch. sore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, yeah, getting all of that base work back in and then um, I'm going to continue um, pole on my longer run-ups, which I wouldn't normally do during heavy training, but it's just been such a long time since since I've been competing on these run-ups, since I've even been training on them and they just need a lot more, t I just need more time on them, more hours. And so I'm going to keep doing that and then, um head off to Europe about mid-June um, and at the moment I'm looking at doing four competitions before our world championships in August um, and then probably staying on to do a few competitions afterwards as well. Um, oh, so it's so quite yeah. a long time away isn't it? It's a long time overseas. Mm, yeah it will be if I do the whole length that I want to do at the moment it'll be three months um, and that's probably at the upper end of what I would want to do. I wouldn't really want to stay too much longer because you don't have the home comforts of, you know, good, well, you might have good training facilities, but, you know, there's a whole lot going on when you're traveling around. So, um, yeah. it, you know, you don't want to do it for too, well, I don't want to do it for too long. No. And what about Paris? That must be, that must be something on the radar. That's pretty exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. Our qualifying yeah. window opens in July. So Ooh. from July onwards, um, if wow. I jump, I believe it's 4.73 meters. So just 
a tiny bit higher than what our world champs was this year, then that's oh. me automatically qualified, which is the much easier way to yes, do it. Yes, <laughs> rather, yes. <laughs> rather than waiting to see if you get in on the rankings. Um, yes. So, yeah, that's that's how that's I think it works goal. at the moment. Yeah, they have a standard that if you they want about half the field to achieve that, and then they get the rest of the field Um they go down the ranking list essentially so it's much nicer if you can just oh, do the yes. automatic oh yes <laughs> so it must be so cool for you to look back at what you've been through and then look ahead at the exciting things you've got in your future it must be just awesome for you to, to look at that and be proud of yourself yeah it's been a big turnaround for sure um and you know we we, we knew there was a good chance that it, it could work but there's also an equally big chance I suppose that it might not work and everybody in my team was on board with that and that's just the the reality of what we accepted but you know the way things are going now it's looking just really good it's looking it's much totally looking really good yeah. yeah and you know I'm Paris is obviously a massive goal um in the next two years but um yeah just need to work on strategies to not build up too pre much pressure around one event even though you know it's very exciting it's olympic games but um yeah i'm already starting to work on strategies to, to make that a little bit less pressurizing because yeah how do you do that it, what sort of things do you do to get, take that pressure off well, well the short answer is i don't really know it's gonna, <laughs> gonna take a bit of work you don't know everything yet eliza not everything no, i don't no. <laughs> no i mean heading into the rio olympics i was the underdog um yes. But I, I can't head into an Olympics like that again. <laughs> so no, I'm going to no, have to yeah. find a new strategy. But yeah. I think it'll come down to gratitude and enjoyment. I think, I you know, see. if you truly believe that it's just so cool that you're there. Um, yes. Personally, for me, that works really well. Um, yes. Maybe not for everybody, but that's where I can kind of jump my best. Whereas if I'm just feeling like there's huge expectation and pressure on the moment then I um, I don't know how well I'll go so right. I'm going to have to convince myself over the next little while that it's it's just about the um, how amazing it is to just be there we'll see just, how we yeah, go soaking it all up <laughs> oh well, look yeah. thank you so much for joining me I absolutely love talking to you all the best for the future we'll be watching and we'll be so proud and we know you're going to do it so thanks again for joining me on the podcast Eliza oh thank you for having me I've really enjoyed talking to you today Oh,